It's time for episode 235 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 4th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that has no time to waste on clock puns. Well, this week, anyway. I am Micah Sargent, and I am joined, as usual, across the internet by my pal and everyone's good bud. It's Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Micah. I'm disappointed in your lack of puns today. <laughs> Look, I'm just just not feeling very punny today, but sometimes that happens. Uh, we, we, we should introduce our great guests this week. To my left is Federico Vatici, founder and editor-in-chief of MaxStories.net. How you doing, Federico? Hi, Micah. It's great to be here, and I am not disappointed in you because you got my name right in the document so thank you it's not a no typos uh, everything is correct thank you huzzah low bar here at clockwise today uh to my left is the ceo and chief lackey at rogue amoeba maker of fine audio software products everywhere mr paul kafasis hey paul hey dan how's it going it's going well thanks for coming back well, you all know how this works. We've got four people. We've got four topics. We've got 30 minutes. I'll start things off by asking. So Walmart just announced its own physical sort of no checkout smart store, sort of like the one that Amazon did. You go in, you grab something, you walk out, and somehow it charges you money. I don't know. Maybe it drains your life force. Not sure. Um, is this the future of shopping? Are we going to look, are we going to see companies that, uh, that, sort of don't have cashiers or anybody manning the the till and uh what do you think about this federico we'll start with you i I tend to be pretty okay with sort of futuristic stuff like give me self-driving cars give me smart home automation um but man walking into a store and walking out without talking to anybody that just just seems i don't want to say creepy but just, it's very odd as an experience. It's very odd that you walk in and nobody's talking and nobody's asking you anything. You just walk in, you do something, and you walk out. But I think that in general, I struggle to imagine how in Italy, uh, because of our you know limited reality in, in the sense that uh, we don't have any Amazon retail stores, we don't have any of these fancy US-only you know, initiatives <laughs> here in, in, in Italy. But I struggle to imagine anything like this um, picking up here, just because we're so behind when it comes to these uh, retail experiences. I mean, we got Apple Pay like last year, and most of our stores are still rolling out contactless payments. So for me to imagine a self-checkout, check, you know, no employee type of situation here in Italy, it's really difficult. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me say that I'm really looking forward to when we've automated the entire process so that like the robots come in to rob the store of like the, <laughs> <laughs> there's no one there. And that's, yeah, you got to have that to keep everybody on their toes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, to, to Federico's point about like stuff rolling out slowly, the U.S. is far from monolithic when it comes to these kind of retail situations. I think big chains like Walmart and like Amazon are going to be interested in exploring this because it lets them reduce cost, right? I mean, in theory, they don't have to pay as many people. They don't need to provide benefits if they even do. Uh, and in the end of the day, it's at the, all about the bottom line for them. And if this turns out to be a more efficient way uh, or a more cost-effective way to do business, then I think we'll see more of it. 
that said, I mean, I don't think you're going to see mom, you're not going to see mom and pop small stores switching over to this sort of thing, obviously. Um, and, and I think some places will have something a little bit in between, um, more like what the Apple store has now. Some of this, I wonder if it's also a generational thing. You know, those of us who are, you know, adults feel like this is totally weird, but like the next generation down will be like, great, I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so I think oh, that's dear. certainly possible. Um, and, and I think we'll see it. My guess is it'll end up being something like the self-checkout thing, which is this is kind of ends up being an option. Like you can go in and just have stuff automatically debited, but there may still be small numbers of, you know, cashiers in addition. So I I think we're not going to see this take over the entire retail space, but I think it is going to become something that you do encounter from time to time. So I, when I looked at this article, it wasn't clear to me that Walmart was doing exactly what Amazon has done. But we're talking about a store where literally you walk in, take something off the shelf, and leave, and there's nothing you need to do beyond that. Because I it's, it's called theft. <laughs> well, as long as the store is, <laughs> is equipped for this, uh, because it's talking to your phone or, or recognizes your face or whatever and, and knows to charge you. Uh, and to me, the, this feels like such a gimmick that is solving a problem that I don't have. <laughs> Uh, I don't really want to talk to anybody when I go into a store, but I don't have a problem, you know, handing my items to a cashier and having them scan them and, and handing them a credit card to pay for it or using Apple pay, whatever. Uh, and so given that I don't have a problem with this, uh, with the current setup, I'm also fascinated by the fact that fixing it in quotes takes so much technology. Like if you look at the Amazon store that does this, there are you know, tens of thousands of sensors and cameras, and uh, it's crazy to me. So I don't want to say this is not the future, but I do. I definitely agree that I don't think we'll see this be widespread for quite a long time, if ever. And uh, it seems like something where we'll see, you know, maybe a little bit of this uh, as a gimmick or or even as an option, but certainly not as the only way to buy things. I agree with Paul. Um, I I think that this is an interesting thing, and uh, also with with Federico, they're like I, it's it's so awkward. I I too often count on technology to fail to trust something like this. Like I would be worried that I'd be the person that walks out of the store and <laughs> everything starts beeping and like the the cage closes down around me because I accidentally stole some. I don't know, thin mints off of the the, the counter. Um, I, I like the idea of figuring out new ways to sort of make these experiences more convenient. But this kind of thing just uh, agreed. It's 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 so far like it's it's a lot to try and fix um, and a lot to in order to fix it. I do like self checkout stuff though. Um, at the Walmart that's near me just recently replaced even more of their uh, sort of person-controlled cash cashier Unexpected item in bagging area. <laughs> <laughs> Please remove and item or call manager. <laughs> Look, once you get good at it, uh, that, that it's not no, too terrible. No, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and so I, I sort of celebrated the fact that they added more of those and uh, make it easier to to use that for the convenience. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. Federico, what do you have for us? So I wanted to talk about home automation. Um, I spent the past couple of months rethinking my entire setup um, around HomeKit. So I got rid of the Amazon Echo devices that we had, and we bought two HomePods. And I've been setting up all these new devices. So um, lights, sensors uh, from Elgato, you know, the Eve stuff. 
And then I got into Homebridge. Uh, I set up this uh, server uh, on a Raspberry Pi, and I've been adding all of these devices that are not officially supported by HomeKit. Anyway, I've been trying to consolidate everything around HomeKit and the HomePod and Siri and to have this kind of consistent experience that my girlfriend and I can use. And the more I get into this, the more, I don't want to say um, I get frustrated, but the more I'm wishing for more controls, more integrations. I Like, I want to be able to change the channels on my television using Siri. I want to be able to set the volume. I want to, you know, turn on my PlayStation and launch a specific game. I, I know that, that that's probably asking too much, but my question is, if you use HomeKit, what kind of integrations for appliances or other home devices or even routines, what kind of automations do you wish you were able to set up today? I think the top ones for me would be one, you mentioned like home entertainment stuff. I think that's that's up there for HomeKit. Now, you can already do this with the Echo if you also have like, you know, a Logitech Harmony remote, something that's that connects, you know, acts as a bridge. Uh, and I really like that. I mean, I can use the Echo to turn on my TV and to tell it, you know, what input to be on, etc. Uh I, I, it's it's kind of bizarre to me that the HomePod and Siri have no way, essentially, of talking to the Apple TV. Uh, this seems like one of those areas where Apple prides itself on how well its products work together, and yet they are totally siloed in this department. Uh, and that's I find that incredibly bizarre. Um, appliances would be the other place. I don't have a smart like uh, you know smart kettle for for heating up water or a smart coffee maker or any of that. But I love the idea of being able to roll over and just sort of trigger that in the morning. Uh, I would love to have some sort of intermediary too, where it could work with the stuff I already have. But that's probably a bridge too far. So I think the entertainment thing is sort of the next big thing for me in terms of Apple rolling out some sort of integration with the stuff that plays all my media, and and it seems like something that they should be interested in. So it's interesting to me that you guys are talking about adding on things. What I've noticed, I have a really small home kit setup. I have uh, three lights that are on it and uh, some temperature gauges so I can see what the temperature is in different parts of the house. And the thing that I've noticed that's missing is just more options. So mm. I know there's a couple thermostats that are home kit compatible, but most of them aren't. And things like smart locks, there's a few that are home kit compatible, but most of them aren't. Uh, so to me, it's not even necessarily that what's available uh, doesn't cover the needs that I have or, you know, not, not needs, but the things I might want to do, but just that there aren't as many options, which I think is, uh, I, I haven't looked into why that is enough. I, probably somebody else on this very podcast can can tell me more about why it is that uh, the options are limited on HomeKit where they uh, are, you know, Google Home and uh, and Alexa compatibility is more widespread. But for me, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see more options in the categories that already exist. So Federico is mean because he chose this topic on a show where we only have 30 minutes and I could talk about this for like three hours if you let me. Uh, but since we don't have all that time, um, I, I, I love that you're getting into Homebridge and uh, trying out this new stuff. I am right there with you, pal. Like I want everything in my life. I just... I, like I imagine that scene from uh, what is it, Fantasia, um, <laughs> where just sort of we're just waving our hands around and everything is oh, just working how it's supposed to burns. in the house. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you remember how that uh, ends? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one, in, in my fantasy, everything goes well, uh, as as it often does. But I, yeah, I want all of my stuff to be able to uh, 
just sort of be controlled by that. So the lights come on, sure, but I also want, like, maybe I have a jam that I really like to wake up to every morning, and, like, that starts playing on the HomePod. Uh, but in terms of, of integrations, uh, I, I have been talking about this. Apple just recently uh, added the ability for third-party uh, commercial manufacturers to uh, integrate HomeKit without needing Apple's special hardware chip. Uh, so I do think we're going to see a few more integrations from already shipped products. And I think that if there was one choice that I had for, you know, an appliance or a tech thing to get uh, HomeKit compatibility, it definitely would be my television. I would love to be able to just like change the channel and set it to whatever I wanted to watch along with other automations. So that would be nice. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to work on this article about Homebridge and all the plugins that I'm using and all the because people have been asking and I've been working on this for like a month and I've been putting it off because I I just keep adding new integrations and new plugins <laughs> and my girlfriend is kind of hating me for this because every day every day I have like a new command and like last <laughs> last night she wanted to go watch some television in the bedroom and she was like um can you just turn on the TV because I don't oh. know what I can do anymore. <laughs> No. You can still use the remote. <laughs> Just, uh, it's you like a and scene your from stupid my life. commands. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I love it. Uh, we have reached halftime, folks. Let me tell you all who's bringing us this week's episode of Clockwise. It's Booz Allen. Tell me if this sounds like you. You're more than just interested in digital technology. You're passionate about it, and you want to use your talents for a challenge you believe in, like moving business forward or advancing healthcare and protecting those most vulnerable. You're all about solving problems. The more complex, the better. You think for yourself, but you know the best ideas happen when everyone has a seat at the table. Sound like you? Well, then you have a future at Booz Allen. Join a forward-looking team backed by a century of experience and fueled by collaboration. Booz Allen is looking for experts like digital technologists, cloud solution architects, digital solutions developers to help make the world more connected, agile, efficient, and safe. Discover why Booz Allen says, empower change with us. Visit boozallen.com slash clockwise. Thanks so much to Booz Allen for their support of this show. Dan, what do you got for us? I have been thinking about ebooks uh, because there were some rumors ahead of Apple's education event that they might sort of push a big re, uh, big overhaul to to iBooks. That hasn't materialized yet, but there are still some rumors that could be in the offing. So my question for you guys is, what? Uh, where do you buy your ebooks if you read them? Uh, what would convince you to change vendors, and what big improvements in ebooks would you like to see, Paul? Oh, I could I could do like an hour on this, but I'll, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> Uh, I have a Kindle. I love having a dedicated device. Uh, so I do almost all of my eBooks, uh, in Kindle format. Uh, I get a ton of them for free from the library. Uh, Dan, you probably know this, but a lot of people don't realize mm -hmm. you can download a whole lot of books from public libraries, uh, to a Kindle. And it's great because you can do it right from your home. You don't have to go into the library, get a book, take it back. Uh, and it's all free. You paid for it with your tax dollars. So, uh, that's a primary reason why I have a Kindle instead of some other device because Kindle is the Kindle format is the most popular. Uh, so changing vendors to iBooks or Barnes and Noble or whoever uh, doesn't really seem very appealing to me because uh, I'm getting a whole lot of free books. But I do also buy some books. There's a service called BookBub which uh, provides deals on eBooks, so you get like one to five dollar books and uh, those you can get in almost any format. 
Uh, and so there, I don't really care. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me which format I'm buying, except that I already have a Kindle. So uh, I don't know. I think there's a pretty big advantage that Amazon has by having this uh, ecosystem that's been out there for for so long uh, that I think people are loath to change away from. Uh, as far as one one fix, the thing that has always bothered me about ebooks is that you can't share them in any reasonable way. Uh, at some point, they added the ability to share some ebooks one time. So you had this mm. option to give it to one friend to loan it to them for, I think, 14 days. Uh, and there's you know all sorts of licensing issues with this. But uh, to me, that's the thing that's really obviously broken with ebooks is that when I buy it, it's a dead end. Uh, I read it and it sits on my Kindle or I delete it and I can get it later. But uh, I can't give it to anyone else. I can't donate it. Uh, so I'm not really interested to pay 10 to $20 the way I would for a physical book. I'm a huge um, Amazon book buyer uh, whenever it comes to ebooks. And the reason why it's because you get a really good deal on audiobooks in many cases if you buy the Kindle version. Um, I was listening through a series of books um, called the Iron Druid Chronicles, mm-hmm. which is sort of a, <laughs> a funny, fun little Kevin story. Hearn. Yeah. And um, I think it's Luke Daniels who does the narration, does a great job. But um, I found that I could, like, I I kept just listening to them ferociously. I don't know. Anyway, my point is, I wanted to save money. And I found out that if I bought the Kindle book at the same time, oftentimes I was saving a good amount of money on the Audible version. Um, So that's sort of where I have been spending most of my money. So I think if, if other options offered that same kind of thing, then it would make sense. But the other problem is that I have a Kindle and I also have like like the, the Kindle. I, I, most of my books are already there. So there's not a huge reason for me to change vendors unless somebody's going to save me a bunch of money. Federico, what about you? So I don't have a physical Kindle, um, but I, I like to read on my iPad, but I still use the Kindle app on iOS. And that's actually quite a funny story. Um, for years, I bought books on uh, digital books on Amazon because um, many years ago, when I first set up the Amazon affiliate program for Mac Stories, you know, you get a small commission when you refer people to products on Amazon. Um, I had a, a US account on Amazon for the affiliate program, but I lived in Italy. And Amazon didn't want to send me a check for my commissions. So Mm. the only way to get a payment was through a gift card. And I accumulated hundreds of dollars (laughs) in gift cards that I could only use for digital downloads on Amazon. Oh, no. (laughs) That meant that the only way that I could get paid was by buying Kindle books. Um, (laughs) Still, I have this collection, like insanely huge collection of Kindle books that I never read and that I'm still trying to, you know, catch up on this backlog. Um, I I would rather read in iBooks uh, because I prefer the way way that iBooks uh, looks on iOS. I prefer the fact that, you know, it got split view support years before the Kindle app, which just got split view like last week. Um, but one of the things that I would love to have on iOS, which uh, sort of uh, um, Mike also mentioned, is uh, audiobooks. I would love if Apple had a way to offer like a bundle uh, that you download a book from the iBook store and you also get the audiobook version uh, and you can listen you know, in a complete package sort of in iBooks. I would love to have that kind of feature but uh, because I want to I wanna get into audiobooks more, but I'm still stuck in the Kindle 
uh, ecosystem, both because I, you know, they have the Audible integration and also because of that huge library that makes me feel guilty because it's literally like hundreds of titles. <laughs> yeah, the, the Amazon lock-in is, is strong. I have a Kindle. I, I really enjoy reading on it. I prefer reading on it to my iPad. I still like physical books when I get them, but it's definitely a space concern. Um, I think it, it's tough to, to sort of switch out of that to another vendor. What I would love to see is something akin to what the movie studios have done uh, on the digital side, which is this Movies Anywhere initiative where you essentially buy a movie and you get a digital copy of it on all the participating services, which includes both Amazon and iTunes. I'd like to see the publishers, you know, try to do something like that where you could buy a book and get digital copies of it for both iBooks and the Kindle. It would also allow the publishers to basically reassert a little bit of control because Amazon right now kind of has them by the throat. Um, and, and obviously, I come at this from a slightly different perspective being an author as well. So thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic from Paul. Oh, you guys are going to love this one. So uh, <laughs> recently, fake meat, plant-based meat has become very popular uh, in the US and it's a growing industry. Uh, there's all these companies that are using a lot of technology to make plant-based meats, uh, meat substitutes, basically. Uh, and another thing that's being worked on is lab-grown meat. So you take a few cells from an animal and you turn it into a steak or a burger. So my question for you, I have two questions. Would you eat a lab-grown steak, let's say, uh, where they just took a few cells from a cow and, you know, scienced it up, turned it into a steak? <laughs> and then the second question, which I think is fascinating, is would you eat lab-grown human meat? So you took a few cells from a human and you turned it into human meat. Go. <laughs> In terms of eating lab-grown steak, no, because I hate steak. So I wouldn't eat any steak, even if it came directly from a cow in my backyard, uh, which I would never do because if there was a cow in my backyard, it'd be my best friend. But uh, in terms of eating human meat, no, you monster. <laughs> Why would I ever eat human meat? I, I don't care if it's grown in a lab. I don't care if it's grown under a house or on top of a mouse. I'm not going to eat human meat ever. It's off. Well, okay. I shouldn't say ever because if I was like on a desert island and everyone was dead around me and the only thing I could do was eat meat or my pinky, I'll start with my pinky finger, but then maybe I would eat some human meat. But that's the only, only situation where I would. Federico, let's hear about your human consumption habits so i to the to the human meat question i even if it's scientific cannibalism i feel like i'm still not okay with it so i know to lab-grown human meat uh, never really um as for uh the other type of lab-grown meat i'm i'm really not a meat person anymore i used to i used to eat a lot more meat when I was younger. But um, after I had some health problems a few years ago and my doctor recommended against, you know, take it easy on the red meat especially, I really don't, don't consume a lot of meat anymore. I've seen these fake meat um, burgers in the United States. I've never seen them in Italy. I'm not particularly attracted to the idea, but I feel like they could be sort of like vaping like <laughs> if you if you miss the if you miss eating meat but you you kind of want to stop or you need to reduce your consumption and maybe you want to go with the with the lab grown option as a as a you know as a compromise maybe that could be that could be a fun trade off i suppose I think the lab-grown meat thing for me, there's something just uncanny valley-ish about it where it's like close enough that it's probably like, would I notice the difference? Maybe not. But the idea of it is somehow innately off-putting. Um, 
I think one of the most interesting things that I heard recently uh, in a news story related to this, though, was that the argument that lab-grown pork could be kosher because <laughs> it doesn't come from an actual pig, which was fascinating to me. Um, so that's that. there's an interesting angle in there. I think environmentally there are strong arguments for this in terms of, you know, the not uh, wholesale slaughter and um, raising of animals for meat. Um, but I think it's a hard barrier to overcome for a lot of people. So I, I feel like as off-putting it as, as it is, I would give the lab-grown meat a try. I'm going to go with the hard no on the human meat. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to be the surprise. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's try that. Uh, unless, like Micah, I'm in a situation where this is, a, this is life or death. Okay, so everyone said no to the lab-grown human meat. And I am a, I am a soft maybe on it. Uh, because <laughs> you're a vegetarian, oh, right? So, so here's the thing: we're assuming that <laughs> no harm has come lady. to anybody from this. Aren't you curious? No. Aren't you curious? No. <laughs> curious what I taste like? That's the worst possible thing. <laughs> well, no. So, so generally, Dan, you touched on it. The sort of the point of this is to be more sustainable, less impactful on the environment, on animals in general. Uh, and so I'm I'm fascinated by the concept. And like you said, I'm a vegetarian. So then the question is, would I eat, uh, you know, a, a lab grown burger or whatever uh, that actually had some sort of meat origin? And I think I'd at least give it a try. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes in the next, say, five to 10 years. I don't think we're actually going to find human meat on the shelves. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just not ruling it out completely. And I'm terrified. <laughs> we have reached the end of the show, friends. We've got just enough time for a bonus question before we all run away and save our lives. Uh, this week's bonus question is brought to you by Casper. Uh, you've probably heard about Casper. If you listen to podcasts, it's the company that's focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Guess what? You spend a third of your life sleeping. Uh, a third of your life doing anything, you probably want to make sure that it is the best it can possibly be. And that's why you need Casper. Because Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, lab grown or not, with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. We've got multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce, and 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars means Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if you decide you don't love it, they've got a hassle-free return policy. I've talked before about Casper because I'm a bit obsessed. I've got the, the bed, the pillow, the, the blankets, the foundation, the bed frame. I've also got a Casper floaty thing that you put in a pool. It's ridiculous. I love Casper. I love sleeping on my Casper. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You can get $50 towards your own select mattress by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash clockwise with the offer code clockwise. Thanks so much to Casper for your support of clockwise now my question for you i just i just want to hear you plug your work or a project or something that you're excited about federico we'll start with you i mean besides uh maxstories.net which is the the main source of content from me that you can find on the internet i do a bunch of shows on relay fm i do appstories.net which is another podcast and i would i guess i would plug uh club Mac stories which is a 
the membership option. Um, if you're really into getting work done on iOS, I create a bunch of workflows uh, on a weekly basis. You can find workflows from for iOS for your iPad there. Lately, we've been interviewing people around the world uh, about how they use their, their iPads. We got like interpreters from the European Parliament and we, you know, we're talking to doctors from Australia. It's fun. Uh, besides this podcast, I do a couple other podcasts, which people might want to check out. Um, we just posted a bonus episode of the show I do with Lex Friedman, Not Playing with Lex and Dan, where we watched The Last Jedi and did live commentary. And I run uh, a, a nerdy game show called Inconceivable, which Micah has been on and will be on again, which has a new episode coming up soon. So uh, tune in over at The Incomparable for both of those. I run a company called Rogue Amoeba, which you mentioned, and I had this all queued up the whole time we were uh, we were doing the show, and I didn't use it at all. We have a new product called Farago, and Farago uh, is a soundboard <laughs> app where you can insert sounds. Uh, so I, I should have used it more, and I did not have time or did not uh, you know take advantage. <laughs> I believe I've used Farago to troll Dan at least twice on the show. Excellent. Yep, that, uh, that's happened. So thank you for that. Uh, the thing that I'm going to plug is a new show that I'm doing with Tiffany Arment. It's called Somehow I Manage, and it is a podcast about our favorite show in all of history and time. It's The Office. We love that show. So check that out over on The Incomparable. Thank you all for your answers and all of your time. Federico Vitici, thank you so much for being here. It's so nice to have you on. Thank you, guys. It was great. Paul Cafasis, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And uh, I am not a cannibal, but I'm willing to consider it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, whether or not you're a cannibal out there, thanks for tuning in. And remember, until next time, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.